You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. Well, I am glad that that's over. Um, I can't say I'm happy with the result, although I am happy very much so that the 49ers lost again. I'm very happy that the discourse surrounding them is that they're cursed and that they're chokes and that all this stuff just makes me laugh. I mean, it, it is funny, and I've been, I know I've been on this train for a while, but it's like, this used to be the Packers thing. They choke in the playoffs. Now it's like, that's eh, kind of everybody's thing. If you make it, you probably choke. Bunch of chokes. But that makes me happy. Again, not super pumped about the Chiefs. I'm ready for that to be done, but probably won't be. I know I mentioned that there were some rumors about Andy Reid possibly retiring, but um, after I made those comments, I saw several articles talking about the Chiefs looking to pay him very handsomely and extend him. And uh, the assumption is that he will be accepting that. Um, and then I was kind of hoping Travis Kelsey might follow his brother out the door and kind of retire. He's getting up in age, but, um, he's already out, out there talking about winning multiple, talking about getting three and you think, well, maybe if he gets his third, then he'll bow out. But I caught a glimpse of him holding up four fingers at one point. I'm just saying, I'm guessing he was talking to somebody. I think it was his dad. And he was like, dude, we're getting four. I'm just saying, I mean, who, dude, I just spilled everywhere like an idiot. I'm just, I'm flailing my hands around while I hold a drink. Dumbest person on earth. I might as well drink. I don't know what the point of this is. We'll see how the guy feels, but I think he's going to be sticking around. So Andy Reid, Pat Mahomes, Travis Kelsey. I mean, they're at least going to run it back one more year. We'll see what happens after that. At least I'm assuming we'll see what happens. But aside from that, uh, you know, the the fact that I hated both teams and didn't want to watch, I'm, I was actually pretty happy with the overall Super Bowl result. Um... Thought it was a good game. I know it was a lot of defense early on, but it was a close game. Obviously, I my score prediction was 25-20. It was 25-22, so I was pretty freaking dead on with that. But close game, down to the wire. The team that I wanted to win won. Um, I thought the commercials were decent. I was kind of bummed early on because I was watching the commercials. I'm like, here we go with this. Like, All these commercials suck. It's just a matter of we're just going to add a lot of celebrities to it. Like, It's the same boring garbage you watch all year. It's just a bunch more money being thrown at a bunch of celebrities. Like the Drew Brees commercial was one of the first ones that was out there. And I was like, oh, here we go. It's like a Dr. Pepper. Like, oh, I can't. It's my Dr. Pepper. And I was like, oh, geez. Absolute favorite commercial of the night, though, was the one with uh, Captain Picard. And he told Drew Barrymore to shut her face. <laughs> that was the best thing ever. And it had Dangle from Reno 911 in it. You can't throw a child at a wall. Shut your face! Oh, that was just, just the best. And then, um, yeah, halftime show I thought was one of the better halftime shows I've seen. If for no other reason than it didn't have some of the dumbest crap I've ever seen in my life. That just doesn't make any sense. We didn't have rappers hanging upside down. We didn't have marshmallow men crawling on the ground. We didn't have a guy getting lost in a maze of mirrors somewhere. In fact, it started off with like some kind of impressive America's Got Talent type stuff. And then you got, what, Lil Jon? 
Ludacris and Alicia Keys popping out. I thought it was fantastic. So everything was was solid. I, I do, I will say, and I've been on this kick for a while now, the announcers that we have for the NFL are just bad. Um, I can't speak to everybody. Some of them are fine. There's some iconic voices that are just nice to hear. Jim Nance being one of them, I can't really speak to how good or bad he is necessarily at his job, I guess. But Tony Romo needs to be fired. Tony Romo, like, got an opportunity to, to talk about football. He predicted a couple plays. It was a super cool little, little gimmicky trick. And so he got, like, a billion dollars because everybody was infatuated by it. He's awful. He's so freaking bad. I, I've never in my life, even, even um, Aikman, just be, he, he annoys me because I don't like his opinions. He, Aikman is significantly better than Romo. Romo's just bad at his job. He's terrible at his job. I don't know how many times I listen to Romo and I, I just said, like, just shut up. You're so stupid. There's so many things that are like guaranteed. I don't know. I don't know, Jim. I don't know. So yes, yes, we, everybody else knows. We all saw it. The guy starts sentences. He doesn't know how to finish them. He doesn't even know where he's like Michael Scott. He starts a sentence. He doesn't even know where it's going. Yeah, I mean, have you ever done that where you say and you're just kind of rambling? You say and and you don't have an and that's that's that is Tony Romo 24 seven. He did that in the Super Bowl. He just, he just rambles, and he doesn't know how to end a sentence. Every time they show a replay, he has no idea what he's looking at. It's just like, it's like you know, Jim just wants to be like, dude, shut up. All right, move on. Shut up. Any freaking ways, moving on. He gets so stuck on nonsense. He's, he's so, he makes me so uncomfortable because he's so bad. He is, he is just the Michael Scott of NFL analysts. It is nonstop cringe. Michael Scott, anyone can laugh, doesn't just have to be the idiot, because nobody's laughing at his jokes. I mean, it's just, it's, oh, it's painful listening to him. So, I'm, I mean, I'm sure they gave him some kind of a massive bajillion dollar contract that they can't find their way out of, but how do you give him the Super Bowl? I mean, are, are you that stupid that you think he's doing a good job? Is the NFL that incompetent? I understand if you gave him a contract and you have to fulfill it, or maybe it's just because it's, you know, it's the, the television station, and he's the, the CBS guy, so it's like that. I, I don't know how all that plays out, but that sucked. Tony Romo is bad, and you have to get out of that contract, and you have to hire somebody else. Maybe we should just stop hiring all the NFL, the, the ex-football players. Maybe football players are really good at playing football, and we should find, you know, announcers who are good at announcing. Just because a football player has an idea of what's coming because he played in the NFL for a long time, which probably a lot of guys can do. Doesn't mean he's going to be a good, you know, guy to broadcast the freaking Super Bowl. I guess it's not really the NFL, it's CBS, but just, just stupid, stupid, stupid. That was, <laughs> Tony Romo was the worst part of that entire Super Bowl, aside from the Chiefs winning another one. It was like the Chiefs winning again, then Tony Romo, and then, I don't know, that's about it. A couple commercials that were trying a little bit too hard, but otherwise, perfect. But all right, what I thought I would do today, and it, it's, it's more of a concept than anything else. I don't know how this is all going to flesh itself out, because obviously there's a billion different ways that you can go back and do this. But I wanted to do a 2023 NFL recap. Just be done with it. We'll move on. We're on to 2024. It's not to say we won't look back at any other time, but let's do an official recap, and then let's close the book. I mean, I, <laughs> I was so excited about this season officially being over. That the day after the Super Bowl, I'm going through NFL news and everybody's still talking about the Super Bowl, and I was pissed. 
I don't know why I thought everybody would immediately just stop talking about it because obviously we have to sit here and gush about the freaking Chiefs for the next month. But I am so ready for this season to be done, the season that is now done to be done. I cannot wait for these know-nothing hacks that don't know how to talk about anything in the offseason to finally stop talking about the Chiefs, to finally run out of ways to twist and contort all the amazing things that happened. How many times we can talk about Kelsey pushing Andy Reid. We can count down how many seconds that Taylor Swift had. Uh, Andy Reid, like, mounting one of his players after the win. We could talk about, you know, the 49ers choosing to receive when they should have kicked. We can just beat these freaking who-gives-a-crap topics to death for the next month, or we can move on. But I thought the easiest and most succinct and uh, consistent way to go about this would be to just go with PFF, partially because, you know, things like DVOA don't, um, well, first of all, they don't have a lot, as many metrics. Second of all, they don't have a lot of the postseason stuff. And any other metric, it's hard to find anything as comprehensive that's going to give you team stats, uh, grades, I guess, as well as sort of the individual breaking down quarterback, running back, whatever, which is what I want to do today. So why don't we just get started here? Um, The grades for the 49ers and Chiefs games are in, so every single stat, every single grade is officially in the books for 2023. So um, the highest graded team, we'll just go with the overall grades, was the San Francisco 49ers, followed by the Baltimore Ravens. I think most people would probably guess that if you were to ask them. Some people would probably say the Chiefs because, you know, it's the Chiefs and you just assume they're good all the time. They they really weren't. They, they did some things really well, especially on defense. But anybody looking, it was, it was funny, one of the conversations, and we'll get into quarterback, but one of the conversations going on came down to like Purdy versus Mahomes, where it's like, you've got this elite quarterback in Mahomes, and then you got this like fake good quarterback in Brock Purdy. And it's like, I mean... Purdy has been like the best quarterback in football this year. Mahomes, I don't know if he's top 10. (laughs) He probably is, but he is not like elite Mahomes right now. And and we listen, we could talk about, well, it's because of Shanahan and and, uh, Debo and Ayuk and all that stuff. That's what, whatever. I'm just saying, if you look at the quarterbacks and what they've done, Brock Purdy has been a better quarterback. He's made better decisions and better throws and has better statistics and made less mistakes, and has been more accurate, all that stuff. So actually, as we go down, after that was the Miami Dolphins at 93.7, then Dallas, then the Lions, then the Eagles, then the Bills, then the Chiefs, who were eighth, then the Texans, then the Seahawks. That was the top 10. After that, you had uh, the Rams, the Packers, the Vikings, the Saints, the Raiders, the Falcons, the Steelers, the Chargers, the Bengals, the Browns, the Buccaneers, uh, the Browns would be 20th. After that is the Buccaneers, the Jets, the Jaguars, the Colts, the Broncos. That's the top 25. Then Titans, then Bears, LOL. Then Patriots, then Commanders, then Panthers. That would be 30. And then the bottom two are the Cardinals and the Giants. Um, if we look at it in groups of categories, uh, elite graded teams would be Buffalo, Eagles, Lions, Cowboys, Dolphins, Ravens, Niners. There were seven of them. Um, uh, eight through 17, that would be the Packers included in that. And it goes from the Chiefs down to the Steelers were in the eighties, um, from 18 chargers down to Washington, 
Um, at 29, you've got teams in the 70s, and then three teams were in the 60s. That's the Panthers, the Cardinals, and the Giants. And they're actually kind of far apart. So you look at it, it's like the bottom three, but the gap between the bottom three is pretty massive. So the Carolina Panthers were a 69, the Cardinals were a 65, and the Giants were a 61. I'm not going to go through every single team for every single category. I just wanted to do that for the overall, but we'll still acknowledge some of the, the tops and bottoms and whatnot. Packers were top 10 via PFF on offense. So you had the uh, 49ers, Lions, Dolphins, Cowboys, Rams, Ravens, Bills, Eagles, Packers, and Vikings in the top 10. So you had three of the um, NFC North teams in the top 10 on offense. Chicago was down at 22. The um, bad offenses below a 70, there were quite a few. Chargers, Bears, Commanders, Cardinals, Jaguars, Steelers, Browns, Patriots, Panthers, Giants, and then Jets. The Giants and the Jets were the only teams in the 50s, Jets being at a 56.8. Absolutely horrific offense. Top 10 passing teams, it's Bills, Dolphins, Cowboys, Lions, Chiefs, Rams, Packers, Eagles, Ravens, 49ers. Top 10 pass blocking teams, Eagles, Ravens, Vikings, Falcons, Broncos, Colts, Chiefs, Bucks, Bills, Packers. Top receiving you got 49ers, Dolphins, Lions, Texans, Cowboys, Packers, Seahawks, Vikings, Rams, and Saints. Uh, top rushing teams, Cardinals, 49ers, Dolphins, Bills, Ravens, Rams, Bears, Lions, Titans, and Packers. And then run blocking, this is why the Packers were not higher as far as their overall offense. They're down in 24th with uh, run blocking, obviously. But the top run blocking teams, 49ers, Lions, Eagles, Broncos, Rams, Ravens, Falcons, Colts, Commanders, and Vikings. And remember, you know, the the teams were different at the beginning of the year, end of the year, all that stuff, and the Packers are included in that. So obviously, if you look at the second half of the year, the Packers would be much higher, probably not in run blocking, but things like passing and receiving and whatnot. And they were still relatively high in those categories. Um, defense, top defenses, Jets, Ravens, 49ers, uh, Dolphins, Cowboys, Browns, Steelers, Raiders, Bills, Texans. Packers ranked 21st. Top run defense teams, Dolphins, Falcons, Patriots, Eagles, Raiders, Lions, Cowboys, Rams, Steelers, Ravens. Packers, again, 21st. The best tackling teams, and really, you know what? I'm not even going to list that many because there weren't very many at all. Uh, the Cowboys had an 82.4. Then you had the Bengals at a 73, the Patriots at a 71, and then Tampa was 69. Everybody else is below that. Packers are middle of the pack at 14 with a 58.9 grade. Um, pass rush. Browns, Cowboys, 49ers, Steelers, Dolphins, Jets, Ravens, Eagles, Seahawks, Colts were the top 10. Packers 16th. In coverage, Jets, Ravens, 49ers, Bills, Saints, Browns, Texans, Jaguars, Cowboys, Seahawks. Packers were 17th. And then on special teams... The top teams were the Chargers, the Saints, the Seahawks, the Chiefs, the Eagles, the Jets, the Bengals, the Titans, the Jaguars, and the Browns. The Packers ranked 28th. Obviously, the kicking situation contributed pretty massively to that. But overall, as we as we know, not nearly as good as it was last year. Um, so I, I guess as a recap here, special teams, as I said, I'm willing to give uh, Bisaccia another year, almost a complete overhaul, as well as along with entirely new kicker puncher long snapper so hopefully we get a little bit of stability there and can bring some guys back and can see some improvement if not then maybe we do need a change there 
Offense, I think, was fantastic aside from the run blocking. Again, especially considering they didn't really figure it out till midseason. Defense across the board was just bad. I mean, just, I mean, they weren't good in a single category. It was 21st, uh, 14th, 16th, uh, 17th was the defensive categories. But again, the, the exciting, optimistic view is you get the second half Green Bay Packers offense with a couple added pieces, hopefully help out that run blocking a little bit, and you get a top five offense. Then we get the defense to be better across the board because we have a better defensive coordinator. And then special teams, again, everybody's kind of in year two, so that improves. How much, I don't know, doesn't matter. Bottom line is massively improved football team in 2024 is obviously the goal. But why don't we take our first break? I want to say thank you real quick. It's been such a long time since anybody's joined the Patreon. Almost forgot to say thank you to Jim Gamble. Thank you so much for jumping in on Patreon. Greatly appreciate that. If you want to help support the podcast, you can do so at patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy or hit me up directly on Venmo at Packernet Podcast. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. We all have smartphones and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, so since we took a look at the teams, I want to go through and look at some of the uh, top performers as well as where the Packers ended up in each category, obviously starting with um, quarterback. Or should we start with something stupid? Let's, let's, let's very briefly do special teams, and then we'll get back to uh, quarterback because it doesn't super matter. So the Packers' top special teamers, um, we'll just do it this way. The, the, let's just say the good special teamers. Tucker Kraft, Carl Brooks, Yash Nyman, Eric Wilson, Christian Welch, and Robert Rochelle. Those are the guys, there were six of them that had a 70 or higher grade. Tucker Kraft was in the 80s. So a couple things stand out. First of all, let's go Tucker Kraft, third-round curse busted. Beyond that, like I said, a lot of new blood. Even though they're not rookies like Rochelle, 
Um, he was a Ram last year. Christian Welch has been in the league since 2020. He was with Baltimore last year. So whole new batch, and we were able to get these guys kind of rocking and rolling, along with guys like Eric Wilson, who are just special teams aces and whatnot. I think the only exception to that is Yash Nyman, the only returning player, well, him and Eric Wilson, obviously, to make the uh, the top. Uh, at the bottom, obviously, Matt Orzich, because why not? He has a 35 PFF grade. The others that are below a 50 would be Kingsley and Igbare and Arndos Carlson. So long snapper and kicker, two guys that you expect to actually be able to do special team stuff. Not super great. But just for reference, Tucker Craft is our highest graded special teamer with an 80.6 grade that ranks 40th. So not the best. Um, Anders Carlson ranked 32nd out of 34 kickers. Again, that's almost entirely because of the extra points. It was such a low percentage on extra points. That's obviously going to ding you quite a bit. Um, but uh, punting, I mean, the, the one guy we don't really talk about is Daniel Whelan. He actually ranked eighth, which is pretty impressive. Now, J.K. Scott was sixth, then Corey Bajorquez was fifth, but, you know, whatever. <laughs> Still pretty impressive for the uh, second-year punter out of UC Davis. All right, back to the offense, particularly the quarterback. Jordan Love um, ranked 12th overall as far as his PFF grade. He ranked ninth as a passer. Again, remember, this is we talked a lot about how great Jordan Love was, but a lot of that came from starting in week nine. This is for the entire season, which includes a half a year of not very good football play. His completion percentage was 22nd. Yards, he was 8th. Yards per attempt, 13th. He was second in touchdowns, which is still pretty staggering to me. And uh, for, I mean, interceptions is kind of an iffy one. We'll just go over to turnover-worthy plays, because some of these guys, they didn't play as many games. Big-time throw percentage, he was 10th, tied with Brock Purdy. Turnover-worthy play percentage, he ranked 15th at 2.5%. Very unlikely sandwiching between Justin Herbert and Zach Wilson. It's actually Pat Mahomes, Jared Goff, and Justin Herbert were 12th. They all tied, and then Jordan Love, and then Zach Wilson. Uh, Jordan Love's adjusted completion percentage was significantly worse. He was 31st. Again, a lot of that got cleaned up, but remember the first half of the year, he was he was like dead last by a, a, an absolute mile. Uh, drop percentage, something else that got cleaned up. I know there was a lot of talk about Jordan Love is facing a lot of drops and whatnot. Um, he had the 28th most, excuse me, the 28th least amount of drops. Um, it was. 28th most amount of drops, 14th best situation, 6% drop rate. Time to throw, he ranked 14th, and in NFL passer rating, he ranked 11th. And then uh, looking at just under pressure real quick, he ranked 9th overall as a passer. He also ranked 9th between Jalen Hurts and Matthew Stafford. Overall, he was between Cousins and Josh Allen. But just real quick, going through the top quarterbacks, uh, the top 10 of quarterbacks, just looking at PFF grades, it's, if you look at passing grades, uh, Pat Mahomes was better than I thought, and Brock Purdy was significantly worse than I thought. I think he was really bad down the stretch. Yeah, and he also didn't get started until midseason. But anyways, Tua, then Josh Allen, then Dak, then Stafford, then Mahomes, then Goff, Cousins, Hurts, Love, and Herbert was the top 10 passing grades. The top 10 receivers, receiving grades, you had Tyreek Hill, Brandon Ayuk, Amon Ross St. Brown, Justin Jefferson, Nico Collins, CeeDee Lamb, Jalen Waddell, A.J. Brown, D.J. Moore, and Puka Nakua. 
I did include tight ends, but it didn't really matter because none of them cracked the top 10. Looking at the wide receivers, the uh, in the top 50, Dentavian Wicks was 29th, Jaden Reed 39th, Romeo Dobbs 40th. Put the same disclaimer on as, as everything else. I know we've been talking a lot about how they rank much higher. That all is second half of the year. If you include the first half, nobody was quite as good. And if we just look at the wide receivers, the only ones that made the cut, uh, the only one I didn't mention was Christian Watson. They all graded out very similarly, though. Wicks was a 77, Reed 74, Romeo Dobbs 74, Christian Watson 70. Uh, Dobbs was actually the closest to being a 1,000-yard receiver. He had 908, 908 yards. Jaden Reed 828, Dontavian Wicks 605, Christian Watson 442. Um, now, Romeo Dobbs did play the most games, then Jaden Reed, then Dontavian Wicks, and then a huge gap down to Christian Watson. Uh, if you look at yards per reception, Wicks is still the highest. Um, 14.8, Watson 14.7, Dobbs 13.2, Jaden Reed 12.2. Touchdowns, Dobbs leads with nine, then Reed with eight, then Watson and Wicks each had five. If you look at yards after the catch, the yak, yards after the catch per reception, Jaden Reed was number one at 5.4, Tontavian Wicks 5.3, Watson 4.1, Romeo Dobbs 3.1. Yards per route run, Jaden Reed 1.95, Wicks 1.94, Romeo 1.64, Watson 1.48. Average depth of target, Watson leads at 16.2, then Dobbs at 12.9, then Wicks at 10.7, then Reed at 10. Longest reception, Christian Watson 77 yards, then Reed 59, Dobbs 46, and Wicks 35. Uh, drop percentage from best to worst, Jaden Reed 4.2%. Wicks 4.7%, Watson 6.3%, and Romeo Dobbs 6.8%. Contested catches, uh, the highest was Romeo Dobbs. He, he had the most opportunities by a mile. Um, 28 opportunities. The second highest was 18. But he caught 15 of 28, which is 53.6%. Dontavian Wicks caught 43%. Christian Watson 33%. Jaden Reed just 25%. Missed tackles forced, uh, Dontavian Wicks 9, Reed 6, Dobbs 3, Watson 2. Passer rating when targeted, Dontavian Wicks 120, Jaden Reed 119.3, Romeo Dobbs 109.5, Christian Watson 69.8. Top running backs, Devin A-Chain had the highest rushing grade at a 93.1, followed by Raheem Mostert, so two Miami guys back-to-back, then Kyron Williams, Christian McCaffrey, James Conner, Derrick Henry, Aaron Jones, Kenneth Walker, Tony Pollard, and Jalen Warren. And I know everyone, well, that's how you know PFF is stupid because Christian McCaffrey, da 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 I understand that he had a lot of yards. A lot of that came from the fact that he had um, the most attempts by a mile. Christian McCaffrey ran the ball 331 times. Nobody else even cracked 300. And as much as 5.2 yards per attempt is pretty impressive, Aaron Jones generally does better than that, uh, A-Chain had 7.5 yards per attempt. So, just saying. Also remember, Christian McCaffrey is one of the best receiving backs as well. So a lot of what he does is damage in the passing game. But anyways, uh, at 5, you had James Conner, then Derrick Henry, then Aaron Jones, Kenneth Walker, Tony Pollard, Dylan Warren. Maybe I said that already. Looking at the Green Bay Packers... And I'll add in a couple other running backs just because there's not that many of them. Um, highest graded. Aaron Jones, 81. Emmanuel Wilson, 80. A.J. Dillon, 78. And then Patrick Taylor, 60. If you look at rushing grades, Aaron Jones, 86. Emmanuel Wilson, 80. 
A.J. Dillon, 76, and then 64 for Patrick Taylor. Yards, Aaron Jones, 875, A.J. Dillon, 613, Patrick Taylor, 147, Emmanuel Wilson, 121. If you look at yards per attempt, Aaron Jones, 4.8, Emmanuel Wilson, 4.7, Patrick Taylor, 4.2, A.J. Dillon, 3.4. Touchdowns, five for Jones, two for Dillon. Only two fumbles this year, both of them were Aaron Jones. Uh, Missed tackles forced, Aaron Jones, 37, A.J. Dillon, 21. And then Taylor had nine, Emmanuel Wilson had three. Yards after contact per attempt, Aaron Jones, 3.35, then Taylor, 2.89, Dillon, 2.69, Emmanuel Wilson, 1.69. The tight ends, top, ah, let's just do the Packers tight end since it's sitting here. Uh, Luke Musgrave was the highest graded at 68, Tucker Craft had a 60.4 grade. Receiving grades, Musgrave, 70, Tucker Craft, 65. Uh, pass blocking, Musgrave was a 45.7, Tucker Craft was a 70.3. Uh, Musgrave did lead in yards despite playing significantly less games. Luke Musgrave had 418 yards in 13 games. Kraft had 379 in 19 games. Musgrave had two touchdowns. Tucker Kraft had three. Both of them were exactly 10.5 yards per reception. Yards after the catch per reception was a Tucker Kraft thing, understandably. Uh, Seven yards after the catch for Kraft, 5.1 for Luke Musgrave. Yards per route run, though, was Musgrave 1.41, Tucker Craft 1.13. And then if you just look at the passer rating, 112.5 for Luke Musgrave, 109.6 for Tucker Craft. The, uh, let's do overall the top 10 tight ends. George Kittle, Travis Kelsey, Mark Andrews, TJ Hawkinson, Sam Laporta, Trey McBride, Taysom Hill, Jake Ferguson, Cole Komet, and Tanner Hudson. Musgrave ranked 18th. And then finally, offensive line. We'll start with tackle. The top 10 tackles are Penny Sewell, Trent Williams, Jordan Mailata, Tyron Smith, Tristan Wirfs, Braden Smith, Christian Derisaw, Bernard Raymond, Taylor Decker, and Morgan Moses. Zach Tom was the highest. He ranked 15th. If you look at our two guys, Zach Tom and Rashid Walker, Zach Tom had a 79.7 grade, 81 run blocking, 72 pass blocking. Um, would love for the pass blocking to come up, but that's really remarkable, honestly, how good of a run blocker he is. Rasheed Walker had a 66 PFF grade, but actually better pass blocking, 75 pass blocking, but a 56 run blocking grade. Zach Tom gave up two sacks, two hits, 33 hurries. Rasheed Walker gave up six sacks, four hits, and 26 hurries. Uh, If you just look at it from a pressure perspective, uh, Zach Tom gave up 37, Rasheed 36. It's just that Rasheed gave up a lot more sacks, so there's that. Moving on to guard, Elton Jenkins and John Runyon. Both of them were pretty underwhelming. Although Elton Jenkins still maintained his pass blocking abilities, 78.3 pass blocking grade, but a 56.4 run blocking, really not good enough. John Runyon, 62 pass blocking, 53 run blocking, pretty bad all around. Um, John Runyon gave up two sacks, Elton Jenkins, zero. Um, Otherwise, total pressures, 28 by Runyon and 22 by, uh, or 28 by Jenkins, 22 by Runyon. So Runyon gave up significantly less pressures, but he did give up the two sacks. Top guards, Chris Lindstrom, Kevin Dotson, Quinn Miners, friggin' Whitewater guy, Sam Cosme, John Feliciano, Robert Hunt, Greg Van Rotten, Joe Thune, Graham Glasgow, and Trey Smith. And then centers, the top 10 centers, Frank Ragnow, Connor Williams, uh, Drew Dahlman, Creed Humphrey, Eric McCoy, Jason Kelsey, Tyler Linderbaum, Ryan Kelly, Andre James, and Lloyd Cushenberry. 
Um, obviously, we had a massive fall from grace from Mr. Josh Myers. 55 PFF grade, 53 run blocking, 55 pass blocking. He gave up five sacks, three hits, and 20 hurries, 28 total pressures. Pretty remarkable. Um, I think what's even more remarkable is it's actually tied for fifth. Uh, there were nine centers that had five or more sacks given up, which is surprising. I guess I'm just not used to bad center play. Carolina's Bradley Bozeman gave up eight. Um, and then in total pressures, he was tied for 11th worst with Luke Fortner and Lucas Patrick in Chicago. But obviously a situation that needs to be uh, resolved because this is not good enough. But why don't we take our final break? We'll come back and look at the defense. We'll do the same thing. We'll kind of go through the, the top guys as well as where the Packers fell in these categories. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. All right, let's do, uh, let's do this. We'll start with, uh, let's go all through all the positions and do the top 10, then we'll circle back just so it kind of makes more sense, I guess. Top 10 interior defensive linemen. So obviously you got some better at run defense, pass rush, et cetera, but we're just going with the top 10 overall. Dexter Lawrence for the Giants, Aaron Donald, Quinnen Williams, Derek Brown, Chris Jones, Deshaun Hand, Jalen Carter, Alim McNeil, Christian Barmore, and David Onyemata as the top 10. Edge rushers, you've got Miles Garrett, Micah Parsons, Nick Bosa, Max Crosby, TJ Watt, Khalil Mack, Andrew Van Ginkle, Aiden Hutchinson, Demarcus Lawrence, and Alex Highsmith. Linebackers, uh, Tyrell Dodson, Fred Warner, Demario Davis, Jaleel Tavani, Jaleel, Jelani Jelani Tavai. Leo Chanel, C.J. Mosley, Bobby Wagner, Blake Cashman, Quincy Williams, Mac Wilson. Top 10 corners, Jalen Johnson, Deron Bland, Sauce Gardner, Trent McDuffie, Charverius Ward, Devin Witherspoon, J.C. Horn, Kendall Fuller, Christian uh, Benford, and Derek Stingley. And then the top safeties, Jesse Bates, Javon Holland, Antoine Winfield, Xavier McKinney, Kyle Hamilton, Jabril Peppers, Alohi Gilman, Jordan Battle. Wow, Jordan Battle. Uh, Ifedi Melfonwu and Tyron Matthew. It is funny seeing Jordan Battle there. I remember when Jordan Battle was going to be like a top 10 pick, and then suddenly he wasn't and fell to the third round, and here he is as a top 10 safety in his rookie year. You know what I've noticed? I don't think there's been, depending on which metric you use, possibly quarterback, but I don't think, has there been, oh, and running back, Aaron Jones. We haven't had hardly any top 10 anything. Like, overall, I don't think Jordan Love, he was 12th, right? Jordan, I think, or uh, Aaron Jones was top 10. But none of the we, tackles, centers, guards, tight ends, wide receivers, um, not quarterback overall, not DT, edge rusher, linebacker, corner, safety, kicker, punter, long snapper, just top 10. Not a single one, just Aaron Jones. It's pretty rough. Anyways, interior defensive linemen, we had five and only five. The grades were uh, Kenny Clark, 70, Carl Brooks, 70, TJ Slayton, 62, Devontae Wyatt, 60, Colby Wooden, 58. Run defense, Kenny Clark, 61. Then TJ Slayton and Colby Wooden were in the 50s. Brooks and Wyatt were in the 40s. Tackling was just bad across the board. Uh, Brooks and Slayton, 50s, Wooden and Clark in the 40s, and Devontae Wyatt in the 20s. Tackling has really got to get cleaned up. That's ridiculous. 
Pass rush, Devontae Wyatt, 77. Kenny Clark, 76. Carl Brooks, 70. Wooden, 61. TJ Slayton, 61. Coverage, who cares? Uh, pressures, Kenny Clark led with 66. Wyatt, 48. Carl Brooks, 30. Slayton, 16. Colby Wooden, 12. Obviously, there's a disparity in the attempts here. Colby Wooden, by far the least. Kenny Clark, by far the most. Sacks, you had uh, 10 for Kenny, 7 for Wyatt, 4 for Brooks, 1 for Wooden, 0 for Slayton, which, I mean, I just, I don't know. I know Slayton's popular, but I'm, I, I, I don't see really any redeeming qualities there. He had some good games. He had some good plays. But dude is 330 pounds, has a 59 run defense grade, a 50 tackling grade, and 0 sacks. Like, freaking get out of here, dude. Um, edge rushers, we can probably disregard Keyshawn Banks and Brenton Cox here, but uh, Rashawn Gary, 79, Preston Smith, 70, Kingsley, 62, Lucas Van Ness, 62, run defense, uh, Rashawn, 75, Preston, 72, Kingsley, 63, Lucas, 60. Uh, tackling grades, Lucas Van Ness had the only good tackling grade at 69.3. Preston, 59. Kingsley, 57. Rashawn, 52. Again, the tackling is ridiculous. Um, Pass rush grades, Rashawn, 74. And then it was 66 for Preston, 63 for Kingsley, uh, 59 for Lucas Van Ness. Pressures, 66 for Rashawn Gary, 52 for Preston, 27 for Kingsley, 22 for Lucas Van Ness. So that's 66 on 440 attempts for Rashawn Gary. 52 for 592 attempts for Preston, 27 out of 241 for Kingsley, and 22 for 240 attempts for Lucas Van Ness. So he was the only sub-10% guy, but he did pretty well with the sacks. 11 for Preston, 10 for Rashawn, 6 for Lucas Van Ness, and 2 for Kingsley and Igbare. Linebackers, pretty weak across the board uh, overall. 65 for Devondre, 60 for Quay, 57 for McDuffie. 57 for Wilson. Run defense was all Eric Wilson. He had a 77 run defense grade, 69 for Campbell, 64 for Quay, and a 60 for Isaiah McDuffie. Tackling, 82 for Quay, 77 for McDuffie, 66 for Devondre, 61 for Wilson. Pass rush, Devondre Campbell, 73. McDuffie, 64. Quay, 58. Wilson, 56. Coverage, 60 for Campbell, 57 for Quay, 56 for McDuffie, 48 for Eric Wilson. Pressures, uh, Quay had 16 out of 76 attempts. Devondre had 7 on 26 attempts. McDuffie, 4 on 29 attempts. Wilson had 3 on just 11 attempts. Quay had 3 sacks. Devondre, 1. McDuffie, 1. Um, in coverage, Quay gave up 538 yards, Devondre 423, McDuffie 218, Wilson 146. Um, touchdowns, Devondre gave up three touchdowns, Quay 2, Wilson 1, Isaiah McDuffie 0. Quay had the only interception of the group. Pass breakups, Quay had three, Devondre 2, Isaiah McDuffie 1. Passer rating when targeted, Isaiah McDuffie, 92.7, Quay Walker, 103.9, Eric Wilson, 129.4, and Devondre, 129.5. I mean, those are some freaking pitiful uh, passer ratings there. Corners, it was really Jair and then nobody. Jair had a 74.3 grade, and then after that, it drops down to David Long, 66, 
Keyshawn Nixon, 61, Corey Ballantyne, 60, Carrington Valentine, 58, and Eric Stokes, 52. Run defense was Stokes, 76, and then just bad from there, 50-50-50-40-40 with Valentine and Long in the 40s. Tackling again was Stokes, everybody else about 60 with the exception of Nixon at 49. Uh, pass rush, not nobody really. Keyshawn was the only one that even attempted it, uh, being in the slot. Uh, he had eight attempts, two pressures. Otherwise, Valentine and Jair each tried one. Jair was one for one. Uh, how he got a 40 pass rush grade when he's one for one, I do not know. Um, Jair, as far as the coverage grades go, Jair, 77. David Long, 76. Keyshawn, 61. Valentine, 61. Valentine, 59. And Stokes, 46. Yards given up through the air. Keyshawn Nixon, 717, Valentine, 470, Valentine, 412, Jair, 396, Stokes, 112, Long, 85. Uh, Touchdowns, Stokes gave up three. He gave up three touchdowns. He played 69 snaps. He gave up more touchdowns than anybody else. 69. That's like one-tenth of the amount of snaps Keyshawn Nixon had. Nixon gave up two touchdowns. Jair, two touchdowns. Valentine one, Valentine one, David Long zero. Interceptions, Valentine, Nixon, and Jair each had one. Pass breakups, Jair had six. Keyshawn Nixon five, Valentine five, Valentine four. Uh, Long had one, and Stokes had zero. Passer rating when targeted, 80.2 for Valentine. Uh, 81.8 for Valentine. 81.9 for David Long. 101.1 for Keyshawn, 110 for Jair, and 152.9 for Eric Stokes. And then penalties, Keyshawn had five, Valentine three, Valentine two, Jair one, Long one, Stokes zero. And then finally safety, which actually, in my opinion, overperformed expectations. Um, Darnell Savage was the highest. He had a 76 grade. Um, Rudy Ford was at a 70, Jonathan Owens 60, and then Anthony Johnson in his rookie year really struggled, had a 48. Run defense, Darnell was a 72, Rudy was a 61, Owens 59, Anthony Johnson 38. Tackling grades, Rudy Ford 76, Owens 68, Savage 53, Anthony Johnson 30. Pass rush, uh, who cares? Coverage, Savage 74. Rudy Ford, 73, Owens, 60, Anthony Johnson, 54. Jonathan Owens gave up the most yards with 269. Darnell Savage, 183, Rudy Ford, 88, Anthony Johnson was 60. Um, Jonathan Owens gave up four touchdowns, Savage, two, Rudy Ford, one, Anthony Johnson, zero. Interceptions, Rudy had two, Anthony Johnson, one, Darnell Savage, one, Owens, zero. Pass breakups, Rudy 4, Jonathan Owens 3, Savage 2, Anthony Johnson 1. Passer rating when targeted, Rudy Ford 30.1, Johnson 57.7, Savage 108.9, Jonathan Owens 123.7. And then penalties, Owens had 4, Rudy had 2, Johnson had 1, Savage had 0. So there you go. There is your recap, all the top best players and teams, as well as where the Packers ended up. Obviously, lots and lots of uh, lots and lots of room for growth there. 
A lot of these guys we already feel good about because we saw them come on strong the second half of the year. Other guys we just need better from kind of across the board, many of which are young or, you know, just straight up rookies. So there's reason to believe that they uh, can and or will. But that's what we're starting with. That is 2023. And that is more or less going to be my understanding of things moving forward. So anyways, you guys have a good rest of your day. I'll talk to you tonight, tomorrow, whatever. Have a good one. Bye-bye.